This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to Hour 2. Guests on the program join us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For every dollar that you spend, you earn points towards free pizza with their rewards program, Atlas Pizza Sports Bar, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, free pizza, it's uh, a proven fact, tastes better than the kind you pay for. Which tastes good to begin with. It's, it's already really so, hard to upgrade, uh, but they found a way. Yeah, Atlas does it right up there. They know what they're doing. Uh, speaking of a guy that knows what he's doing. I mean, he does come on with us twice a week, but generally yeah, terrible, elsewhere uh, in life. Other yeah. than that, really a good, uh, you know, makes all the right decisions. Great judgment. And, yeah. Uh, this not one of his best. However, uh, Stephen Brunt down to uh, down to Florida, and I suggest uh, it sounds like you're back already. That was a quick one, quick tight turn. It 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 was it was very uh, it was very very quick. Yes, sadly, but uh, actually, thanks to some uh, some airline chaos, it I got to stay a whole extra day. Oh, really? Uh, th- mm. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Whole extra day. Now I spent most of it on a plane sitting on the tarmac, but uh. it was uh, it was yeah it was. It was Florida, though. So do you get the, uh, if anyone would like to stay behind, we'll give you $900 in a voucher and that sort of thing? No. No, it wasn't It wasn't that. It wasn't even that. Because there was, I'll t- here's one, I won't talk about this too much, but one piece of advice if you're, you know, if you're a, be getting back into flying, right? Because a lot mm. of people haven't flown in the last couple of years. If you're sitting in the plane and it's the time when it's supposed to push back from the gate, and you look out the window, and there's a bunch of baggage guys, and the, and the big door is open still, and there's a bunch of baggage guys yelling at each other and waving yeah, their yeah. arms. That's a bad sign. That's a bad one, huh? <laughs> it's unlikely that you're going to take off on time. And the funny thing, they don't tell you, hey, Stephen, it's going to be a while. Why don't you go fish, and we'll call you when we're ready. They let you sit for a while before they figure it out, hey? Well, we sat on the plane, and then we sat on the – well, that I sat and watched those guys yell at each other for quite a bit. Yeah. Like, and, then, and then some of them just kind of quit. They just kind of went over and sat down and – yeah, I, guess I was going to say they had a smoke. I was going to say they had a smoke, but I don't think you're allowed to do <laughs> no, that out on the, probably not safe. <laughs> around that jet fuel. But, uh, but yeah, they uh, they they seemed um, they seemed unmotivated to put suitcases on the plane. My worst um, stuck on the tarmac story goes to uh, the Dominican Republic, where uh, we were heading home. So you never want to leave. You're excited to get there, and of course you want to get off the plane, but you don't want to leave. You've now lugged all of your Stuff back to the airport. You're sitting on the plane. You're like, okay, back to where you're already grumpy. And we couldn't take off because the maintenance crew, the uh, you know, they were trying to fix the broken air conditioning. Oh, now you know what's uh, yeah. You know, so that's disappointing. You're not taking off. We're not going to get out of here. We might miss our connecting flight. That also, uh, you know, but you know what's also awkward is sitting on a plane on a tarmac <laughs> in Punta Cana with no bloody air conditioning. <laughs> And I'm sorry, yes. there's, there's no ice cubes for the drinks. Uh, there's no air conditioning. We're really sorry. Oh, is there going to be any kind of... Uh, we do know, have hot coffee. Yeah. <laughs> any reimbursement or anything? Uh, no. It's, uh, this is a tuna can with wings. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're lucky you got here, let alone getting home. Yeah, the, re- hey. the, the, reimb- the reimbursement thing seems yeah problematic. It's, it's, it doesn't seem to ever apply. I don't know. Well, anyway, and yeah, I think it uh, used to, but yeah, they're yeah. good at not reimbursing yeah. these days. I'll get one last story, then we'll actually talk sports. My wife okay. and uh, kids, I somehow, uh, well, I, I like to call it you know veteran savvy, uh, skipped out on a trip back to Manitoba recently to, uh, to see parts of her family. 
and they were flying home from Winnipeg, and it was the old, uh, we are, we were oversold. If anybody would like to stick it, apparently thousands of dollars in travel vouchers and hotels and that still not enough for anyone to spend any more time in Winnipeg. With what, two feet of snow, you said? <laughs> they wanted yeah, no parts. Weird. We're getting out of here. No, no. No, 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 no. That ain't enough. I'll ride in the crapper if I have to. Yeah. I'm not playing <laughs> until you it's You can kill Calgary. some time at that airport in Winnipeg. You could kill lots of time yeah. out there. There's but lots the, to do. The flight right? was the next day, so you were going to... you were, Oh, you were, that'd be tougher. Yeah. You were settling in <laughs> for a, a long winter's nap in yeah. late March. Yeah, it's kind of the casino, or it's the casino, right? Yeah, that's, that's kind right. of all you got at that point. Yeah, yep. that's good stuff. So where, where are we at with the, the Jays? They'll open the season Friday. That sounds crazy. Opening day's Thursday. They'll watch, what, four other games or so and then be at it. Like, this is wrapping up. Yeah. Kevin Gossett had his first start yesterday? <laughs> what? Well, that's not quite yet, but they, here's the thing. And, and this is, it's become more and more common. Um, is And they, they seem to do it, like, with this short in the spring. Like, the, they kind of hide guys. So from now, they, because of the way spring training was this year, they were all in these little kind of bubbles, right? Not bubbles like the the worst of the of COVID, but they only played a certain number of teams, and they just played them over and over and over again. So there was kind of a regional grouping. So they, like the Jays never went to Fort Myers or any of those places. They never played the Twins or the Red Sox. They didn't do the three-hour bus rides. They just played the Yankees, the Tigers, the Phillies, the Pirates, the Orioles. Um, now, some of those teams are in their division, obviously, but there's this. They started doing this if even you know before the pandemic, where if you, they, it's like they didn't want to show off stuff like the, any kind of secret stuff to teams that they're going to play early in the season, and so sometimes that means instead of starting in a grapefruit league game, your starter goes and pitches in a minor league game somewhere in the backfield or an interest squad game and gets in his work there, or like as happened this year, and this this is one this is the one I don't understand. So the Jays ace. Jose Barrios is going to start opening day, starting on Friday. He's pitching against the Orioles in a Grapefruit League game. The Orioles, right, who are going to lose 163 games this year, right? They're, they're, they're really they're, – they're going to be extraordinarily awful. And he went out and he just threw fastballs. He didn't throw a single breaking pitch because he thought, I'm not going to let him kind of time up my breaking ball. I'm just going to go throw fastballs. It seems to me, like, probably unnecessary, but that's why you haven't seen Kevin Gossman all spring. Because, you know, he's been out of the AL East for a while. He was in the National League. Teams haven't seen him. They're not familiar with him. So they just let him pitch in the backfield in other situations and then brought him out for one tune-up, you know, kind of tune-up start yesterday against the Tigers. And, yeah, that's so was he. Same, they did the same thing with Ryu. You know, he, I think he, he pitched once, maybe twice. in, in and, and, again, maybe with a limited repertoire. Um I'm, I'm not sure like teams are, you know, I, I'm thinking these guys are still, there's film. Like they've been, especially all the guys we're talking about, they've been around for a long time, but that's the theory. Okay. And uh, a bit of a surprise, Greg Bird does not make the team, but uh, Gosuke Kato does, who's an interesting story yeah. of his own. They were both actually Yankees prospects, but uh, highly touted ones both at some times. Yeah, we, you know, it's funny, like that we're spending a lot, like that's what this spring is like. We're talking about the 28th guy on the 28th yeah. man roster. Um, but that's kind of what the Jays, you know, they're, they're, they didn't really have a lot of questions going in. But yeah, so Bird, who was a highly touted Yankees prospect and flashed some power the first week of spring, looked really good and then kind of, you know, tailed off as spring went on, which maybe, the, maybe that's the thing where the pitchers start to get, you know, more comfortable. But uh, I think the, the, yeah, the the uh, the assumption was that he's your bench bat, left-handed guy. He's got some power, uh, could spell Vladdy at first base, but they can't really play any other position. And uh, 
he also had one of those deals that they give veteran players sometimes in the spring where they bring him in on a minor league deal, and if they don't put him on the 40-man roster by a certain date, he can opt out, which means you, know, you can sign with another team, or you know, sometimes these guys go to Japan. And uh, so he, he hit the date, and you know whether that was it primarily or the fact that Kato, who had a, actually a really nice spring, but he can play like every position on the field. So I think they like that about him that they can, and he's a reasonably good defensive player in a whole bunch of places. And like, like this, let's face it, this team is not going to pinch hit much. Like, you know, who are you going to pinch hit for? Uh, you know, they might, you know, maybe a pinch run late in games, which you know Tapia will probably have that role. The fourth, uh, the guy will be also the fourth outfielder. But yeah, like who's who are you going to who are you going to sit down to to pinch hit for? So they they preferred a guy who I think. You know this, and again, this wasn't when I was down there. They had, I think, everybody was still assuming it was going to be Bird, but you know, Cato can play all over the diamond. If you need to spell somebody in the field, he's he's useful. He can run the bases okay. So yeah, that's so there. There you go. So he is he is number twenty eight on the twenty eight man roster, and we'll see if he's still around on May first when they have to cut down. Okay, and uh, they made a catching swap since we last spoke, and it comes with options. Is that really what they've gained here? Yeah, they've got, they've got this Collins from the White Sox organization who, for Reese McGuire, um, you know, it's another one of these, like, probably not of enormous consequence. They're both left-handed. Um, Reese McGuire's out of options, so they would have had to either put him on the roster or he would have been had to clear waivers if they wanted to send him down. Last year, they put him through waivers, and no one claimed him. So, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, but they swapped him for a guy who has an option so they can send him down to Buffalo. He's a worse defensive catcher than Reese McGuire, but potentially a better offensive player he was like at one point he was a top 50 prospect in baseball like five years ago four years ago but you know his stock has been dropping pretty much ever since so yeah you know backup catchers uh they're all everybody's waiting for gab moreno so you know these anybody who's catching for the jays is is a filler for gab moreno Mm -hmm. right now until he's ready boy that's an uneventful spring hey (laughs) Like we're like talking about the spare, well, it really was, the spare man. utility like, guy and the third catcher. No, these, yes. Neither of these guys make the team if, without expanded rosters. Well, it's I got to tell you, like it's it was a you know rapid spring, and you you know being down there, it's a very happy spring. Obviously, like they they're a very confident group. But you know, I've you have covered a lot of spring trainings, and normally something happens. Like even with a team that's kind of set. Like you know, there there have been years when they're you know normally there's a, at least a couple of positional battles or there's you know are you going to bring a prospect north you know are you going to is he ready or are you going to keep him down for another little while or are you manipulating his service time or or and this is the knock on wood part or somebody gets hurt mm-hmm. right like Marcus Simeon or, or Marcus Stroman blows out his knee in a bunt drill or you know Michael Sanders Michael yeah. Saunders steps on a sprinkler head. That's normally what happens in spring training, right? Like something, or somebody comes up with a dead arm, and there was nothing. You know, there was no. Vladdy got hurt in spring no, too. I remember getting that news uh, yeah. connecting through Denver on the way to Dunedin, and and yeah. then the other one that was kind of funny was uh, I recall, boy, we had a lot of talk about Josh Donaldson speakers and the school that's a neighboring to the ballpark. Uh, John that Gibbons was wanted them to one. turn that music off, sir. Yes, that was a fun one. Um, and then there was one where who was it? Ken Giles screamed at a guy who's no longer with the team. That's right. Yes, yeah, one of the, the big hard throwing guy from Houston. 
Yes, because he didn't hustle in a bunt drill, and Ken Giles just reamed him out in front of everybody. But you know, now that they're at this kind of mega complex out, which is a very different space. That's and that's where they do all their workouts and before games, and that's where they hit before games, and that's they they dress and get on the bus and come over. A lot of this stuff is kind of it's a little more private than it used, which maybe you know maybe that's the intent. But it, I think it'll be unlikely that we will see anybody getting yelled out for putting their boombox in the middle of the field. Because if that happens, it'll be happening in the middle of nowhere behind one of those uh, fences where we can't go. So it's a very, a very, very different scene. But um, yeah, drama free, very happy, and you know, the, this we are now in that phase before a baseball season where all of the prognosticators start picking. You know, they put out their power rankings for the season. Plus, of course, now that betting is legal, mm. um, all of the bookies are talking about we're getting all of the odds, and you know, I'm. I can't help myself clicking on the, you know, Jays is the number one or number two team in baseball, just about universally, you know, either just behind the Dodgers or just ahead of the Dodgers. How's that? Uh, I'm not, it doesn't mean anything. You know, you got to play 162, but I would say in terms of, you know, kind of hype going into a season, this is, you know, the last time it was like this was after that Mariners, the, the Mariners trade and the uh, R.A. Dickey trade, which is perhaps a bad omen, but that that's the last time when, when people were as excited about it and, and the spring training television ratings, you know, continue to be like the last weekend on a Saturday afternoon, they were doing half a million people on television for a grapefruit league game. Like that's nuts. Was it Josh Johnson? Who was that? It turned out to be yeah. Burley, but it, there was one arm that was supposed to be the centerpiece of the deal. And he did not yeah. uh, ever really stay. No, that healthy. one went, Hey, that one went haywire quickly. Yeah. Right. Cause they're on opening day, Dickie pitched and there were like, I uh, forget how many pass balls because uh, <laughs> right. Jay Pierre and couldn't catch a knuckleball. Oh, and then Josh Johnson pitched the first pitched in Detroit on a cold, rainy night and essentially quit on the mound and never really was any good again. Mm-hmm. And that and I think that same series was when Jose Reyes slid in and, and tore up his ankle. So that like yeah, that one it, it was it was clear pretty much by the middle of April that it was not going to be a fairy tale. So we will we will hope that it's somewhat better this time around what's the mood like there because there is baseball to be played this week and as you said the team is there there are high expectations people in baseball think very highly of this team fans in toronto have not been able to go out and watch this team it feels like for a long time it's now they're 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 kind of being rewarded we all are we're going to sit down and watch but i can't imagine uh, the the hype or the just the 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 vibe and everything the excitement must be almost off the charts there right now. It's yeah, it is like it's a you know there's two other teams that are playing really well here right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that as well that you know the 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 Leafs seem to be scoring six goals every night right now and that's got people pumped up and their hopes about to be dashed of course in the playoffs. But it's nice. To Steven, be look at you. You're so jeez. I just been it's just too many times, right? Oh, and, the, and the Raptors wow. unexpectedly are, you know, really, and and there's kind of optimism not just about this year but next year. But yeah, the Jays thing, you know, it's, it's, like I didn't even thought about it, but so yeah, full house on Friday night for opening day, obviously for the first time since you know the pandemic hit. But you know, this is the first opening day in Toronto for Vladdy and Bo. Wow. You know, it's like they've, and that means Ryu the, as well. Although he'll be pitching this the sun the Sunday, not the Friday, but yeah, yeah. So so it's completely. You know, you you think about you know, we've been, it feels like we've been watching those guys for ages now, and we have to a point. But 
they were, you know, opening day last year was, you know, the home opener last year was in Dunedin. And the one before that was in Buffalo. Well, and I recall and they, the fanfare yeah. just coming home, Stephen, was a big deal last year. Like, they were, they were running, like, 60-second spots, I, I want to say, and it was, you're trying not to well up. People are seeing this team come home after watching them in two different cities the prior year and a half. Like, it, that was a big deal. This, this will only be bigger because it's not even limited capacity. Yeah, that's it. It was limited capacity last year when they came home. And, you know, of course, it, you know, it, it was partially, it was, you know, partly about baseball, but it was mostly about maybe we're finally through this thing. Now, of course we weren't, but, um, there was, that was the, you know, the great, let's all take a deep breath and be normal for, for a while. Uh, but yeah, this one full house, um, really, you know, a team that is, again, people are very excited about and is built not just for kind of a one year to be a one year wonder, but should be sustainable for at least a few years. You know, guy who's an MVP, he should have, could have been the MVP if they're in any year where there wasn't a Shohei Otani and they, they backfilled every, you know, they lost a couple of guys in the off season and then replaced them with guys who were probably as good, spent a lot of money. Um, and, and you know, and, and one of the most highly touted prospects in baseball, cool and seals in Buffalo and probably going to make his debut by the summer to join those other highly touted prospects who are already in the lineup. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good times, man. It's, um, it, it it really is, and I think, you know, it's. I'll tell you, here's here's the, the. I think for the first time, you know, and maybe it was it was it, was, it should have been starting over the last year and even the year before, but you know, all of that kind of anti Shapiro and Atkins crowd who lingered out there, you know, about how these these guys these who had unseated the beloved Alex Anthopoulos or actually unseated the beloved Paul Beeston, and they didn't really understand the city, and they were from Cleveland, and they didn't know what they were doing. You know, they've done some pretty good work, you know, with this organization. And, you know, that I think that sense that, you know, smart guys are running the team um, and, again, have built something that might just be sustainable and have convinced the owners to carry the highest payroll in the history of the team, even after having almost zero revenue from ticket sales, at least, over the last two years. So, you know, somebody's... Somebody in the front office has been doing some pretty good work, too. Well, and fans, like you say, making up for lost time, uh, enjoy those $27 beers, uh, I, would, I would guess, Friday. You know, sure. Just got to make Opening up for Opening night now, special. Right? Yeah. Delicious. The, it's, you know, you pay a lot for popcorn in a movie theater, too, right? It's lost just part couple, of it. just yeah. goes, lost a goes with years. it, you know? Yeah. Someone's got $8 hot dog. Yeah. What's the diff? Someone's got to pay. I know I'm doing my part by taking less. To, uh, to help out the cause. Well, you so, did with Springer. I noted that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. George yep. Springer's negotiation yep. went a lot better than mine did mm. a couple years ago. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, what's uh, up for the week, Steve? Um, well, there's, um, let's see, kind of uh, settling back into normal. I'm deeply, I, you know, I was, I'm, I've been, um, I've got a couple, of, i got a book to. F- oh. Between the, the events that are happening right now and, uh, and getting Christine Sinclair's book finished for her. right, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying that. So, but it's uh, yeah, deadline approaches. So it'll be it's going to be kind of an intense couple of weeks. Uh, Austin Matthews had a hat trick last night. Uh, is you that right? That just to today. get you started get for you today, yeah. good head start. That's that right. Thanks. That'll that'll be. Uh, we've got only got we only got a two hour show. I'm not sure. What then? What else are we going to talk? Also, about? Also, yeah. Canada's in the World Cup. Just in case you were because I know you're in Dunedin. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank you're welcome. Uh, there you go. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks, Stephen. We'll talk to you later this week. All right. See you, boys. Ah, Stephen Brunt. He's the best.
Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews. I mean, guy can score. Yeah, he's, he's a worthy heart candidate at this point. And um, probably some stronger words out east and some dumber words up north in this province. It's beautiful it, stuff. Is, if I could have t- Toronto media v. Oiler media, like this is, like what's the best wrestling event? Is it WrestleMania? Is it the Royal Rumble? Like pick your one. But that's this is like it's a prize heavyweight fight. Mm-hmm. Two of the most obnoxious media, you know, gather uh, crowds head to head. Yes, yes. So who else is in this conversation? You've got the two in Edmonton. You've got Austin Matthews. Well, uh, two weeks ago, Shesterkin was your favorite, and he's fallen a lot of the uh, wagering sites. So. He is struggling. Yes. And to be fair, that doesn't undo. There's probably a lot of recency bias there. Like if 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 the three or four iffy results he's had of late were in October. He's probably still the favorite right now. Know what I mean? But a scoring slump will do the same for a scorer, right? In theory. Um, but it's just, it's so rare to see a goalie in this spot. It almost feels like people are waiting for a reason to not give him a vote. But I still think he's in there. I think you're going to probably get some love for the Florida guys that are having monster years. Johnny Gaudreau's certainly got a case. Yeah. And Kale McCarr is doing some pretty special things as a defenseman. Roman Yossi, Nashville. That's a lot of guys, but it feels like, oh, there's a Norris and there's a Vesna, so we'll just leave it for the forwards. I don't know. Yeah. We'll break here. We've got our NHL insider, Frank Valley coming up. Uh, some inter- Man, it's tight. I mean, we talk about parity and about first-round matchups. Watching that, this, how the setup right now, Tampa Bay is a wild-card team. They'd play Carolina if it started tonight. Right? Like, congratulations for winning your division, Carolina. Here's Tampa in round yeah, one. Yeah, and for Tampa, like, sneaky. You got out of the Atlantic. Now if you play Florida, it's going to be in the conference final. Well yeah. done. Uh, we'll get into it with our NHL insider when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Flames go into L.A. last night, win by a score of 3-2 over the Kings. Regulation kicking off the four-game road trip. Johnny Gaudreau was electrifying. Two goals and an assist. Was, I mean, just fractions. uh, Nearly had another one going glove side, and Cal Peterson had a great feed to Matthew Kachuk. Peterson made a great glove save, had a couple of other chances in close. Could have been a five-point night fairly easy. For Gaudreau, who is fourth in league scoring, 95 points, fourth overall, and is just a couple away from career highs in goals and assists, uh, four away in terms of points. <laughs> I'm going to roll it. I'm, you know, I go out there and I'm on a limb. There, you know yeah. how I like to plant my flag in these controversial takes. I think he's going to get there on all of the accounts. Well, I bet you go to a wagering house, you'd be rewarded kindly for yeah. such an outrageous, audacious take. Yeah. Maybe boost it if we parlay it all. Yeah, sure. Know, yeah. Maybe. Uh, our NHL parlay insider. making the playoffs. Right. Wild. Mm. Uh, South Trail Exports, inventory shortages across the city. Now is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. SouthTrailExports.com. Frank, good morning. Uh, how's your? Did you get sunburned? How's the tan lines? Oh yeah, <laughs> no tan lines and uh, trying to avoid the sun. Yeah, I can mostly because I'm posted up under the shade at the pool bar. Yeah, see, that's the move. That's right a good there. move. Yeah, that's a decent yeah, move. Dean famously uh, turned down covering a draft in Florida because uh, swass. So, I know. find the humidity to be very hard to take. <laughs> 
Frank. As no, a, it was the summer, at least. As a portly gent, I don't deal well with uh, with the humidity and the pits, the pit stains and that sort of thing. So I just decided. I don't know how people do it. How do you live there? Like I, I as a as a larger man myself, I I tend to not enjoy it. I, uh, I I can I can understand that if you don't have to be wearing nice clothing and looking presentable. If you could just be a, a hobo like I am now, <laughs> then that's fine. But you had to be wearing suits and ties and look at no chance. It's like everyone rooting for Tampa to, to advance in the playoffs so they can go cover a series there. I'm like, Tampa in July and me in a suit? Yikes. Yeah, it's no good. <laughs> it is no good. Um, man, we were looking this morning talking about uh, – we we knew what the playoff teams were going to be in the East for a long time, and now it's just a matter of jockeying for a position. It looks like we know where Washington is going to finish and probably where Florida is going to finish. There's uh, Carolina. Carolina has to feel probably pretty good about where they're at. But as far as wild cards, it's, it's crazy to see Toronto, Boston, Tampa Bay all within a couple points of each other. Rangers and Pittsburgh are two points away. It's... It's going to t- we're going to come down to probably the last game, the last day of the season, last couple days of the season, and huge repercussions as to who's at home, who's in the road, and who you're playing. Right now, Carolina would draw Tampa in wow. round one. That's, that doesn't feel like a round one. That feels like a round three series. That feels like not fair for Carolina. That's <laughs> what it feels like. You have a great season. You're consistent all year long. You win your division, and oh, you get the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs who have an ability to flip the switch, and you get them because they scuffled for the last four days of the season, or at least that's what it feels like. I mean, my guess is they they find some way to turn it on, and they pass Boston, and it ends up being Toronto and Tampa. But either way, it's going to be no cupcake first-round matchup for Carolina, depending on which team uh, ends up coming out of uh, the Atlantic in that four spot. Well, and similarly, if Vegas somehow gets in or if Dallas plays well to hold that spot, that, that feels like a tougher matchup than Colorado deserves as a wild card, too. It could, but I, I don't think it's going to end up playing out that way just by sheer math for Vegas. Like, it, it ends up being really daunting. Like, look at the, the five games in a row that they've won. And they've made up exactly zero ground on Edmonton. Like, um, you know, they're they're not far off from uh, Nashville and Dallas, though they have a bunch of games in hand. So if you're looking by points percentage, it's still a pretty wide margin. But, like, just take – here's how the math works for Vegas. Like, Edmonton can go 6-6 six and six down the stretch, and Vegas needs to go 7-3-1 and one just to tie. Like, it's – it's pretty daunting what they'd have to do in order to make it work. And, you know, they've shown it in the last five games. Can they continue to show it over the next 11 to close out the season? I, it's a lot to ask. Yeah. And it does feel like there's, we know the eight we have since Christmas in the East, there's nine. Now we've said goodbye to the jets and the Canucks. I imagine you've done the same. Yeah. I mean, the math was always incredibly challenging for Vancouver and, and Winnipeg. It just, it never really seemed to work. Where and I don't want to get too deep into it because it's. I mean, we were talking about the uh, the Hart Trophy discussion because it's going to ramp up big time now after a hat trick and a helper for Austin Matthews. He's had an un- unbelievable season. Um, how how do you uh, handicap it as we sit here with 
you know, 12, 12, 11, depending on who you're looking at, 13 games to go. I've, I've tried to personally not think about it mm-hmm. because I feel like you can drive yourself absolutely crazy trying to put your ballot together. I don't know what the order would be, but I'm starting to have a better idea of the, you know, five to seven guys that would be in my top five. And, you know, just listening to your intro and, and having, you know, watched him play really closely and, and some of the magical nights that he's had, Johnny Gaudreau is going to be in my five somewhere. I just don't know where that is, for instance. So, um, you know, I'm kind of narrowing down the the list of players and then I'll start working on the order. But I, I have a pretty solid idea of who's going to be in the mix. Yeah, they keep losing our uh, our ballots, Boomer and I. So when you're going through this process, I could see you <laughs> yeah. overreacting like a game at a time. Like we talked about it, Shesterkin's had a rough, what, two weeks? And he's gone from like, hey, this guy should win the heart to like, well, I don't know if he's getting any votes now. And then, you know, the Austin Matthews hat trick, the pendulum swings that way. Dry saddle gets 50, the way it goes over there. There's Kale McCarr setting new records. I, I feel like if, if you're trying to do this every night, uh, recency bias is going to get you. Well, yeah, but I also think that there should be, at least this is how I do it, I think there should be a little bit more weight on the last quarter of the season because the games are typically the hardest to play so it's not necessarily recency bias but it's it's more for me like confirmation bias in terms of you know what you're seeing does it match what you've seen through the first you know 60 games of the season do those players continue to step up when it matters most and you know going back to Shesterkin like I, I was kind of wary about having him in my top five to begin with because I personally look at it like we have an award for goalies and it's the Vezina. If we really wanted to talk about most valuable player to their team, every single season your list should be five goalies and that's it. There should rarely be a skater that makes it in. That's how valuable the position is. So I tend to kind of put goalies off to the side unless they have a truly spectacular off-the-chart season, and and Shesterkin was having that to a certain point, but now it's been a few weeks now again where he's looked very average, and now even Ranger fans are saying, like, is this guy going to get it together? What's happening? What are our playoff chances like to advance if he's not at the level that we need him to be? And a lot's been asked of him because the Rangers give up a ton. Mm -hmm. They give up a ton of high-danger chances, and he's been unbelievable to a certain point. But now the game, you know, he hasn't been able to hold up that end of it the entire time, and that's it's hard to do. How do you weigh what Austin Matthews has done versus what we're seeing in Edmonton from Connor McDavid? I, luckily, we do have two very vocal media groups covering both these teams uh, that are doing <laughs> a lovely say. job online of keeping us entertained. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's a really tough thing to measure. Walk us through what that process might be like for someone voting on the award. Well, it's hard because the other the other part with Dreisaitl is like where and how does McDavid factor in, and it depends on how literally you take voting for the award. Because if you if you take it literally, which some people do, in that sense, if that player or one of those players is the most valuable to his team, then the other player shouldn't be in your top five, shouldn't be on your ballot. 
And in some ways, I think that's really unfair um, in the sense that both those guys drive a lot of what they get by themselves. Obviously, on the power play, they work together, and uh, their power play can be magical at times. But, you know, in some ways, both those guys, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and then I'll get to Matthews in a second, each of their campaigns are weakened by the other. And I saw a really good point um, you know, from an Edmonton media member yesterday saying, well, how come the same doesn't apply for, for Austin Matthews when he's got Mitch Marner that he plays with a lot that's also eighth in league scoring? So fair point, fair question, and yet the conversation really isn't quite the same. Um, but what Matthews has done, 47 goals in his last 47 games, uh, 54 in 64 on the season – it's bananas. Like he's on there in some way, shape or form. I just don't know where is it. Is it two? Is it three? Is it, could he potentially be in the one spot? I mean, again, like I said, I will probably drive myself crazy right until I hit send on the ballot, trying to make sure I get it right. I can tell you one thing and one thing only about Austin Matthews. And I I saw this debate raging at some point. Well, Austin Matthews for Selkie. no, chance you have to kill penalties in order to be on my selkie ballot yeah i don't think anyone's confusing him for patrice bergeron the skill sets are pretty well defined no <laughs> i think the only talk about defensive metrics would be in comparison to say Connor mcdavid or leon dreisaitl right uh but you know who will be on my selkie ballot mr our, lindholm there in calgary yeah our good pal here yeah yeah he's had a heck of a season had a heck of a season. We, I, I just always wonder if it's if it's enough league wide in in terms of attention because uh, you know Bergeron is always Bergeron. There's always uh, sometimes there's always a sexier choice than a guy who, I mean, he, he's the third most offensive guy on his line, let alone his team. So I always wonder how that kind of fleshes out. Well, you know what? Um, I, I guess I need to be careful on how I say this because I. I help run the PHWA and the voting, but if Lindholm isn't on your ballot, I feel like you're not paying attention no. in terms of Selkie. He is uh, Frank Cervelli, our NHL insider. Uh, with with the news coming out of Ottawa, obviously the passing of Eugene Melnick, and it's early, but is there is there any kind of an indication or thought as to what happens now from an ownership perspective and the, the path and future of the team? Not quite. Uh, it's actually still up in the air and a lot of it will depend on the interest of his daughters and the wording of his will and estate in terms of how everything gets executed. Um, his daughters are still young. They're, I think they're in their early to mid twenties and apparently one of them, at least the word is that one of them has interest in helping run the team and, She's been involved in a lot of different things behind the scenes over the years to at least understand the business a bit better. But this came, I don't want to say as a total shock, but the NHL itself didn't get word from the Sens and the Melnick family that this was such a dire situation until really like two weeks before his passing. And so there wasn't this long time to prepare to say, well, okay, when this happens, 
X, Y, and Z happen, and this is going to be how it sorts out. That it, just it's not it's not the case. And they they didn't have you know all this lead time and prep time to work through it. So that's really what they're working on now. Is is the executor of his estate has been in touch with the league. Um, they feel like they're fine to continue running it now with Anthony LeBlanc on the business side and Pierre Dorian on the, the hockey ops side. And, and then they'll go from there over the next few weeks, depending on, you know, what happens or what the interest level is like, because I think ultimately Eugene Melnick wanted to have his family involved in the sense in some way moving forward, whether that's, either in a majority role or it could be in some sort of minority share role, whatever it is, he wanted his family to have some piece of the sense um, as they move forward. So we'll see. Wanted to ask you about uh, Jake DeBrusque. He scores twice yesterday, the overtime winner. He's got 21 goals. A new extension, Dean. So, I mean, <laughs> is Boston smart for hanging on? Cause he, and he wanted out, uh, what, had the trade request, kept the trade request, is not rescinded. Uh, tra- trade deadline day, oh, probably going to be moved. Then signs a contract extension, but might still be moved. Uh, were teams not wise in not trading for him? Is Boston lucky to keep him? What's your take on Jake DeBrusque, who all of a sudden is having a hell of a f- conclusion of this season? Probably all of the above. Um, I can't, I'm try- I've been trying to think, like, I can't remember ever seeing a situation like that where you you grease the skids in order to try and help facilitate a trade by saying, you know what, if you were worried about my $4.41 million qualifying offer, I'm going to make this really easy on you. And I'm going to sign a two-year deal times $4 million just to get the heck out of here. And it, it doesn't end up materializing. And now you're in a spot where, well, what if they can't trade you in the summer? And, and I think deep down, and th- I have no official reporting on this, this is just my read of the situation, is that there is such a chasm that exists and such friction that exists between Jake DeBrusque and Bruce Cassidy that if perhaps there just ended up being a coaching change this summer, maybe he could stay there and get a fresh start. Maybe it, it involves getting traded regardless, but... I do think that Bruce Cassidy, he's really hard on his players. That even for some of the vets that have been there, and and Cassidy's been in place a long time now, that sometimes that gets old. He's found a way to have a lot of success. Um, They've, you know, gone to the final. Um, They've been on some runs. But, you know, that sometimes wears thin. And so that's what, I think is the big question in addition to, you know, Don Sweeney, their general manager, if I'm not mistaken, is also in the last year of his deal. What happens if the Bruins who have been on a tear and have been one of the best teams in the league since March 1st, what happens if they don't win? They don't advance past the first round. Are we going to see wholesale changes and then maybe you know, even regardless with how Jake DeBrusque has played, let's say they don't make a coaching change, there's no regime change, everything stays mostly the same, and they try and run it back for another year with Patrice Bergeron, maybe someone steps up with how well Jake DeBrusque has found the back of the net to say, you know what, for $4 bucks, we'll take him off your hands. 
You mentioned about how they've been one of the hottest teams. This is Boston since uh, March the 1st. Looking at them, 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're now right there in standing. They're tied uh, with Tampa Bay. They're two back of the Leafs. There's some hockey yet to be played. And they, obviously, it's it's been Jeremy Swayman. I don't know if anybody saw that coming because Allmark was kind of brought in. Rask after was Rask, supposed to return. You know, Rask yeah. returns and then that doesn't work. They've missed... Bergeron for periods of time. Marchand had that uh, suspension. Pasternak, I think, left the game yesterday. Hasn't been a great season, I don't think, for Taylor Hall, despite the big contract. How how have they done it? Because uh, if you're waiting for a coach to be gunned here, I, I don't see it. It's a good question. Like they've, they've just sort of put it together at the exact perfect time. Um, they've gotten some really strong depth play from their third line that I think has transformed their team a little bit. They seem to be a little bit over-reliant on, on their top guys, but, you know, Trent Frederick, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, like those guys have come together and, and really been really good for them. So that's helped. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's funny, there is, and this is kind of a, a nerdy, a nerdy stat for you, but, I have a friend who's a big hockey better and he was saying, you know, his formula for success in the playoffs, he has found this one stat. And if you're a gambler, pay attention is between March 1st and the end of the season every year, he looks at uh, close Fenwick percentages. So score adjusted Fenwick. So it's USAT percentage close. If you're looking on NHL.com and the Boston Bruins, he said that's the most accurate predictor of the Stanley Cup final matchup over the last decade plus. And I'm just looking at the stat this morning as we're talking. The Boston Bruins are number one in the league since March 1st. So who knows? Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means something. But they've been playing pretty well, and the numbers, at least the underlying numbers, would seem to back that up as well. Well, that's interesting because this, the March first means a different thing. Other years, uh, we got we got an extra two weeks of hockey this year. The playoffs won't start till May. Um, yeah, you're gonna have like to this adjust that yeah. number from like to probably to from you know March twentieth or whatever it is. But yes, the point point being that for the last five weeks, they're number one in the league. Yeah. Hmm. One of the teams. Uh, I'm still. I, I'm just kind of stuck in the East. We. Obviously, you do a radio show every day, and you kind of keep tabs on teams that are even outside of your market. It's been, it has to have been kind of a tough run for Washington in terms of their net minding. I don't know who their number one is. I don't think they know who their number one is. Ilya Samsonov is 25. Vanacek is 26. Both are restricted free agents with, with arbitration rights. Uh, and, and I don't see them getting out of the first round based on who they're going to play and what they have in net. what? How close were they on Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline, do you think? And you know, Would it have made a difference? And who's in net for them next season? To answer the second one first, I have no idea. I mean, the fact that they tried to make such a significant move, and I don't think Fleury was the only guy that they tried on, and the, the fact that they were vocal about their goaltending not being good enough, their general manager and Brian McClellan flat out coming out and saying it, it I, I don't know that that helped anyone now that they ended up being stuck with Samsonov and Vanacek. And perhaps it ended up being the smart move because 
this team, if you look, go back and look at the numbers, short of the first number of weeks of the season up until U.S. Thanksgiving, this team has been entirely marginal, really, for a long, long stretch. Um, and if not for the point cushion that they had built up to start the year, which is odd because it was also without Nicholas Backstrom, that this team would have no shot of making the playoffs. And in fact, you could tell at some point over the last number of weeks that the New York Islanders started getting a little bit excited because had the Capitals scuffled a little bit, there might have been a chance that the Islanders could sneak up and catch them because the Islanders have actually been playing pretty well. Um, It's just too much of a gap to close. It's too hard to make up ground in this league. And the Caps, you know, they've already – they lost Vanacek once, so probably pretty clear that he'd be, you know, potentially the guy moving on. But the problem is Samsonov has not been the better of the two goalies. It's actually been Vanacek who's got better numbers. I would imagine just based on pure play that Vanacek would be the opening night starter but you can tell that they like and probably trust Samsonov a little bit more. So it's a, it's a dicey situation, and they're betting a roster that is certainly on the older end of the league and another fantastic season from Alex Ovechkin at age 36 on a group of goaltending that they're not really that comfortable with. And they tried – in a significant way on Marc-Andre Fleury and, and had put in a lot of work behind the scenes uh, to try and convince him, but there was simply no interest from his end to go to a team like Washington. And I think if you were to size up, this is just my guess, the five teams that had been in the mix and may have contacted Fleury or the, the Blackhawks about Fleury, that the Capitals were the fifth of five teams in terms of his interest. Calgary Flames will be in Anaheim tomorrow. They're still dealing with, uh, I guess, the aftermath of the Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, Jay Beagle, uh, Tyson Nash episode that certainly hasn't been boring. Uh, what are the conversations around that organization? Uh, I, I think they liked getting value for Nick Delorey at the deadline, but I also think they probably think, man, we better get another Nick Delorey pretty quick. Yeah, and I think they've just really been disappointed in terms of how this entire thing has played out. Um, You know, the fact that there wasn't more protection from the officials in that situation, the fact that they had to miss Troy Terry for a game, the fact that they had to read Tyson Nash and his explanation on dailyfaceoff.com saying that he felt like the Anaheim Ducks were flaunting after, uh, you know, scoring that Michigan style lacrosse goal. Like, I can tell you that their organization was not happy with that uh, opinion and, and Tyson Nash's judgment. And I think in some ways as a whole, we have to separate the two things that happened, one being the incident and two being the, what was said on the broadcast. Because I don't think for one second that Jay Beagle is attacking Troy Terry based on you know, the Anaheim Ducks skilling it up and, quote, um, you know, trying to embarrass them. I don't, I don't think that at all. Um, and so, you know, you look at the comments and you have to park those, but I don't know that Tyson Nash exactly bathed himself in glory in his explanation because the Ducks are looking at it saying, 
we did what after the Michigan goal? Like, we skated to our bench. We've lost 11 games in a row. Our confidence is shattered, and we were probably scared that we were going to blow the lead more than anything else. There was no hooting and hollering, no celebrating, no outlandish uh, smirking, as, as Tyson Nash explained it. So they were not happy with his, uh, you know, continuing to double down essentially after the comments. I can tell you that. Pretty unusual to see uh, something like that happen on the ice, and the, the most egregious sort of offside thing was maybe the comments in the broadcast. Not the, no, one, no one has really any issue with Jay Beagle yeah, so much. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a, that's a guy you like. Shouldn't have happened to shoot. Uh, but, geez, wow, Tyson Nash, how could you say that? <laughs> well, then to double down both on a podcast and in a story on our website with Scott Burnside, like I just it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the game in and of itself. People hear that and they go, what, why does Troy Terry need to get punched in the face repeatedly and, and have a, a black eye for what? Like, because they're better players than the Coyotes have? Like, because they have more skill? Like, it makes no sense. And, of course, that website that you speak of is uh, dailyfaceoff.com. What a website. What a website. What a, I mean, wow. I go, I go there daily, multiple times a day. I, I, I can't stay away, actually. I can't stay away. It's on right now. Uh, have yourself a good one, man. Appreciate your time, and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. You, you bet. There's Frank Valley brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Uh, we'll come back, talk more. Uh, Flames Kings opening up the road trip for the Flames last night. A big win at the Crypto.com Arena. Continue on to take on those ducks, as mentioned. And Adnan Verk, our MLB insider, coming up, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.